Hi, this is Lily, and I'm a member of the Beacon Church. Welcome to our podcast. We'd love to meet you, so come visit us on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. or 11.30 a.m. at the Viscardi Center at 201 IU Willits Road in Albertson, New York. Now, Beacon is a non-for-profit, and if you shop Amazon, you can support the work at Beacon by selecting the Beacon Church of Long Island as your supporting organization. And a small portion of every purchase will help move our work forward. Remember to shop at smile.amazon.com and select the Beacon Church of Long Island as your supporting organization. Thank you and hope to see you soon. There's no sun up in the sky, stormy weather. Well, good morning to all of you. Welcome to week three of our series, The Storm Tossed Families, where we're all learning together how to navigate the storms of life using the truth of God's word to get through everything that life throws at us. And today and next week, I think we're really starting to get to some of the heavy lifting, some of the topics that people really talk about and look forward to. Today, we're going to talk about parenting. Next week, we're going to talk about marriage. Now, one thing I can tell you is I think, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think most pastors don't like to teach on parenting in marriage. Because we're not always sure, like, hey, am I really the one who should stand up here and talk about this? That's why, if you notice, a lot of churches will have, like, guest speakers or conferences or special classes. Because we all sort of want to hear from an expert, right? And I'm with you. I would love to hear from the experts. This week alone, I read, like, three different parenting books. Because I'm thinking, I'm not sure that I actually know what I'm talking about in the slightest. But the good news is, no one is here to learn from me. Right? Together, we're going to deep dive into the scriptures. My goal today is to simply kind of curate and present God's truth for what he has for us as we navigate this storm called parenting. Now, one of those books that I read this week, I really like the title, so I've borrowed that title. So the title of this sermon today is very simple. It is, Parenting is Hard and Then You Die. Okay, that's the title. If you're a note taker, that's what you need to put at the top of the page. Parenting is hard and then you die. But I was reminded, a friend of mine said to me last year, he's a grandparent. He said, a slight corollary to that though. Being a grandparent is the reward for not killing your children. I'm like, oh, I, I could see that. That makes a lot, of, a lot of sense. Now, and that book is by a man named um, Clark. And he talks about top 10 classic parenting mistakes. So I would ask you to raise your hand when you commit this parenting mistake, but I know that you won't. Plus, I can see the guilty look on your face from here, and I can see how your wife nudges you from here, so I already know, okay? So here's 10 classic parenting mistakes from Dr. David Clark. Number 10, allowing the grandparents to rule. Oh, it's already getting tense. Number nine, parenting to appease your ex. Number eight, being the hero parent, meaning you're the cruise director, you do all the fun things. Number seven, choosing the kids over your spouse. 
Number six, fighting in front of the kids. I've never done that. Never, never. Number five, having only one parent in charge. Number four, having a step-parent do all the discipline. Three, both parents overly focused on the kids. And then two and one are kind of the classic parenting structure, according to Clark. Number two is mom is too focused on the kids. And number one is dad is not involved in the daily parenting activities. So on all ten of those things, I have really some of this deep advice that I learned this week, sage wisdom. For any of those ten things, here's what I can tell you. Stop it. (laughs) Seriously, stop it. Don't do those things. Those are not good. Those 10 things, if you wrote those down, make sure that you make sure in your notes that you're saying not to do those things, okay? All right, so that's pretty much it. We can probably go to communion now if you want and be done a little early without the fire drill. Now, I know a lot of people today aren't parents in the room. I also know that some of you are done with the first part of your parenting journey, that your children don't live with you anymore. But stay with me, because I believe, as we talk about godly parenting principles, those principles will apply to so many other opportunities of mentorship and of leadership. And so connect with this, because you can bring these principles into so many other parts of life. Because parents, you play a lot of different roles. You wear a lot of different hats. Mainly your mom and dad or stepmom and stepdad, but you're also a teacher, a coach, a tutor, a mentor, an instructor, a guardian, a guide, and a professional driver. Those are on your good days. Well, on your bad days, you're controlling, you're a killjoy, you're a warden, you're the Grinch, you're a party pooper, you're a wet blanket, and you're simply the worst. (laughs) Growing up, my sister and I called my dad King Clean. That's what we called him. And my friend, he called his mom No Fun Donna. Right? Parents get a lot of these titles, but today I want to talk about giving parents a new title that you may not have assumed before. Because parents, I'm hoping to anoint you today to be an ambassador. To be an ambassador parent. So let's think practically, what does an ambassador do? Obviously, an ambassador represents a king or a president or some sort of significant authority to someone else. They're the visible representation of the king's leadership and of the king's wishes. They also bring back to the king or the president the wishes of this third party. And if any ambassador wants to keep their job, they have to make sure that their entire agenda, everything that they're about, everything that is important to them, is perfectly aligned with the king or the president. Otherwise, they will be fired. And parents, I believe we can learn to be God's ambassadors to our children. Because when it comes to parenting, I believe there are two fundamental methodologies that we can kind of tear apart this morning that we find ourselves on one or the other and often moving back and forth. One being the goal of being an ambassador, the other of being an owner. For this concept and principle, I'm thankful for the writing of Paul David Tripp in his book called Parenting 14 Gospel Principles that can radically change our parenting. As we parent or mentor, we'll find ourselves moving back and forth between being an owner and being an ambassador. And to put it simply, we are not the owners of our children. Tripp says it this way, Good parenting, which does what God intends it to do, begins with this radical and humbling recognition that our children don't actually belong to us. 
Rather, every child in every home, everywhere on the globe, belongs to the one who created him or her. Children are God's possession for his purpose. That means that God's plans for parents is that we would be his agents in the lives of these children that have been formed into his image, entrusted into our care. Parenting is not what we want for our children or from our children, but parenting is about what God in his grace has planned to do through us in the lives of our children. And to see this principle, we're going to go back to the original parenting manual, the very first one, the first known prescription for how parents and children are supposed to relate to each other. So take a Bible, if you would. We're going to read Deuteronomy, and we're going to read uh, a pretty big chunk. So you want to have your own copy of the Scripture so you can stay engaged, you can stay connected. Deuteronomy is a very interesting book in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy is written by Moses, and it's the fifth book that he wrote. And he wrote it at the end of his life. At this point, he already knew that he was dying. He had been leading Israel for more than 40 years. So he decided to go back to and to reiterate many of the principles that he had talked about before. This was kind of his last chance to get, to communicate to Israel what God had laid on his heart. So Deuteronomy is essentially an entire book of the speeches of Moses. If you're familiar with the story of Moses, that's actually kind of ironic because when God called Moses into ministry, what did he say? can't speak. Well, Deuteronomy is all him talking, so apparently he figured it out. He would have made a great pastor. So much talking, okay? So, Deuteronomy 5 is the Ten Commandments, but it's the second time that they're stated in the Bible. He's repeating them for emphasis and for clarity, and they're ordered in a very special way. The first four of this, have no other gods but God, have no images of idols. Number three, do not misuse God's name. Number four, keep God's day, the Sabbath day, holy. Number five is our verse, Deuteronomy 5.16. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The commandment is directed to the children. They are told to honor their father and mother in order to learn to live God's way. This threefold relationship is already in view of children, parents, and God. Then as you go through the next commandments, the next five are all about how people should live together, right? They talk about uh, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't be jealous. But number five, the way that parents and children relate sits between those two sections. You have the God section, you have the how to live righteous section, and you have parents as the bridge between them. This is not a coincidence. You can already see the role of an ambassador saying, you treat God right, you treat people right, your parents are in the middle helping you to bridge that transition. We can infer that from the text, but Moses goes so much further than this. Now we're going to Click or flip to the next chapter, Deuteronomy 6. Because here he explains why he's repeating himself. I always like to think of, in Deuteronomy 5, I don't know why, I always think of the, the, the guys who carried the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant had the stone tablets inside. You've seen it, Indiana Jones, right? You've seen this. So they've been carrying the Ten Commandments around for years and years and years. And then one day Moses goes, listen to me, I'm here to declare the Ten Commandments. And they're probably going, we have this? Like, isn't it? Why have we been carrying this around? What's Moses doing? I think Moses is repeating himself. I think Moses is getting old. You already told us this, Moses. Parents, 
Have you ever had to say anything more than once? Ever, never once, right? Moses is saying, I'm going to repeat the entire Ten Commandments. Why? Chapter 6, verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Verse 20. In the future, when your son or any child asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you, tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And Moses goes on to talk about all the things that God did in Egypt. So Moses is saying, why am I repeating the Ten Commandments? Chapter 5, chapter 6, because we must pass this on. God's word, his truth, his commandments are to be on our hearts and on the hearts of our children. And Moses says, we should use every possible strategy to make sure our children know the ways of God. We should memorize these words. We should talk about it every single day. We should find ways to mount it up in our houses where we'll see it. We can weave it into the fabric of our clothes to remind us of God's word. Any possible thing we can do to be reminded of God's way, that's what we should do to pass this on to our children. We often will read from Deuteronomy 6 when we do baby dedications here at Beacon because we want to be reminded of the role that the parents have to be ambassadors, to our children for God. An ambassador's mentality teaches children to live God's way. An ownership mentality is different in a subtle yet critical way. An ownership mentality teaches children to live our way. So an ambassador says, live God's way. An owner says, live my way. When we boil it down and make it that plain, it's obvious. I don't think you'll find a single Christian parent who would ever say, no, 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 I'm skipping God's way and I'm sticking with my own way. But the sin in us and the fatigue in us routinely pulls us back in that direction. And I think we can see it in four principal areas of how we relate to our children. Owner parents versus ambassador parents in these four areas. The first one is identity. We talked a lot about identity last week. If you weren't here, I would recommend that you check it out on the podcast or on the web. But think about this. Owner parents get their sense of identity and purpose and inner sense of well-being from their children. This is not a good idea. Why is that? I hate to tell you this, but you know your precious little ones... They are sinners, like super bad sinners. Trust me, I know the Kids Quest teachers, okay? These children are sinners. All of us as children are sinners. So if you start to pull your identity out of the life of a sinner, this strategy will never work for you. So owner parents will end up being hurt. They take their children's fa uh, failures very personally. They have hurt feelings and anger. Ambassador parents get there sense of identity from their relationship with the king. This gives parents true purpose and true meaning, so they no longer try to extract it from their children. Their identity is secure, 
And now they can be selfless parents who sacrifice in the way that ambassador parents do. Second area is the area of work. Owner parents view their job as an opportunity to turn their child into something. They have a goal in mind. You know, when you grow up, you're going to be in this field. You're going to have this kind of position. They have these goals in mind, and they're pushing their children towards that specific outcome. They use all of their authority, all the leverage that's available to them to push their child to a set outcome. That is the product of their work. Ambassador parents realize they don't have the power to change their children. All they do is represent someone greater, wiser, and more powerful. In fact, ambassador parents will admit they might not know what is best for their children, but they're motivated by a picture of the great potential of what grace could do in their lives and what gospel can do in their hearts, and they will come alongside their children to discover God's plan for their life. What about the area of success? Owner parents love to use set measurements and metrics to know how the child is doing. They will know GPA, batting average, NWEA scores, NISMA scores. They might even track how many social media likes their children have because they want to see if they're succeeding. Ambassador parents know they can't force this type of success in the lives of their children. In fact, I hate to tell you, good parents don't always produce good children. So ambassador parents say, you know what? I'm not going to measure the success of the outcome, but instead I'm going to measure how I have invested into them. They just strive to be usable tools in the hands of the only one who can produce results. Ambassador parents also have a very different take on the sense of reputation. Owner parents turn children into trophies and resumes. They parade children around in public so people can applaud them. They're not simply proud of their child, which is healthy and honorable, but instead they base their own personal reputation on their child's success. As a result, they really struggle when their child goes through an awkward phase and they can't seek help because that would damage their reputation. Ambassador parents know that by parenting sinners, there will be some embarrassment along the way. They don't grab onto their child's success because God is the one who does the work. God gets the glory. They also don't have to wear the burden of all of their child's missteps either. And when you've kind of freed yourself from all of these metrics to say, you know what, I'm an ambassador to see what God can do. I am not wearing your identity as my own. Well, then I think you can also start to have just a little bit more fun. Here's a clip I saw this week of a parent who was able to completely distance himself from the reputation of their child, even though their child is literally world famous, to say, hey, let's have some fun with this. This is Taylor Swift's mom. Check this out. Can you see me, by the way? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. Because I just wanted, because I just, didn't you just get LASIK surgery? I did. How do you know that? <laughs> No, I know, it's like, you got LASIK surgery, it was just a major surgery. It, it yeah, but, um, I did, but I don't, I don't but usually tell people you can see me perfect, I just want to make sure, yeah. No, it was great, I really can see very well. Do you, do you take painkillers or anything when you do that stuff? <laughs> well, I mean, do they give you, like, laughing gas or something? They definitely give you some pretty hardcore pills after you. Yeah. Take 
an, have a, a laser in your eye, what is going on? <laughs> I'm just saying, so post-surgery, you're a little loopy, you know, you have things in your eyes, and, uh, you What's know... What's happening right now? <laughs> your mom may or may not have videotaped you after surgery. <laughs> <laughs> and she gave us the video. <laughs> For the television? <laughs> Wait, this is a world premiere. You gotta check this out. <laughs> this, is, this is Taylor Swift post surgery. You were like freaking out over a banana. <laughs> anyway, here's Taylor at home after her LASIK surgery. A video taken by her mom. Take a look at this. It's real. Okay, so she found a snack. You can't cry. That, that's not it's supposed I'm, to be what you're doing. Yeah, I try to get this okay, one. Okay, let me get the other one for you. For, okay, here we go. One, but what do we do with this now? I'll eat it. I'll eat it. It's mine. But it doesn't have a head. Honey, it's fine. I don't need a head. Okay, I'm crying. I'm crying. Don't. You don't want to cry. Mm -hmm. That's not what you want to do. Sometimes it doesn't go your way. Don't fall asleep eating a banana, okay? I'm not asleep. My mind is alive. Okay. <laughs> don't be mad. Don't be mad. Don't no. be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. I made some calls. Oh, my I made, God. I made some calls. That's on television. Me and your mom. <laughs> he goes, this one doesn't have a head. What are we going to do with it? <laughs> Me and your mom Wait, stayed in touch. She was kind enough to drive me there, but cruel enough to film it and <laughs> give it to you. <laughs> yes, that's what that's what a good mom does. I love you, mom. That's what a good mom does. That might be what a good mom does. You know, you don't have your reputation so wrapped up, you can have a little bit of fun in the life of a parent. So then. As an ambassador parent, what is the goal for our children? Do ambassador parents even have goals? Yes, I believe that they do. But the first thing is I want to bust a bubble of what I think is a very common goal. The goal of an ambassador parent is not to have well-behaved children. I'm sorry to tell you. The goal of an ambassador parent is not to have well-behaved children. Sometimes... Being well-behaved simply means you know how to bow down to an obvious authority. Sometimes the authority that you're bowing down to is the enemy of our souls. Other times, being well-behaved might just mean that your child is getting really good at playing the game. And playing the game of life isn't heart transformation, and it's not pursuing the mission of God. In fact, being well-behaved can sometimes hide very damaging thoughts and feelings. Russell Moore just lays it right out. He says, a well-behaved person is sometimes closest to hell. It's not about behavior modification. In a less sinister way, but I think equally as serious, children that seek to be perfectly behaved may not be equipped to stand up in difficult situations for what they know is right. It often takes great courage to cause the disruption necessary that the gospel requires in critical situations. So our goal is not that our children learn to behave. It's that they learn to repent. Good parenting is not about learning to change actions. Good parenting is pointing us towards the condition of our hearts. Repentance is how we change the condition of our heart. 
Learning to obey without repentance will usually cause a child to either just one day give up, totally go off the rails, or they might go the other way and try to create and improve their own goodness. It never works to create and improve your own goodness because you and they are a sinner. That will ultimately fail. So how do children learn to repent? That is through godly discipline, of course. As parents, we have to apply wise discipline to our children to help them see how their actions and their thoughts do not line up with God's plan and mission for their lives. Then when they see how they fall short of God's standard, we lead them in learning to repent and do the soul work necessary to allow God to change their heart. When, a heart's, when the child of the heart, the heart of the child is changed, then the behavior of the child will come in line with God's mission for them. Disciplining your child is also the visible proof of the love and investment that parenting requires. Proverbs is strident on this. It says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. To, discipline your, to never discipline your child would be cold and be unloving. Now, we also will have discipline in the home, you're allowed to say it, for our own benefit, okay? We need the home to run smoothly so that we don't absolutely lose our minds. There is no limit to the amount of wreckage that a, a child who has no discipline can cause in the home. Proverbs backs us up on this. It says, discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. We need that structure in the home. Now, as you consider your standards for discipline, know this. Children do need to rebel. It's where they learn to be independent. It's where they learn to break away. And remember, ambassadors, we cannot change our child's behavior. All we can do is help them consistently see the result of their actions comes from an underlying attitude and heart condition that is not in line with the heart of Christ. Then, yes, we will create and assign consequences to help them see the results of these attitudes and actions that are contrary to God's plan. It's a critical distinction. The point of discipline is not to relearn behavior. It is to learn repentance. Russell Moore said it this way. The goal of our parenting is not compliance. Children who learn to yield to a stronger power. The goal of our parenting is the right kind of fighting. We want children who love the kingdom God is promising and who kick back against the occupying force of this present darkness. We discipline not so that we can teach our children what to do and not to do, so as much as we discipline to teach them where to go when they fail at that, or rather to whom they should go to. That requires, that requires a parenting that keeps the gospel in view, where justice and love, truth and grace meet in the crucified Christ. Discipline isn't simply corrective. There's also this, the opportunity to learn to live a disciplined life. We used to call opportunities to learn a disciplined life. They had a very cool name. We used to call them chores. I don't know if you have any chores in your house. My kids, they, I love to tease them. I, I don't ever call them chores or I try not to. I always call it life skills training. So like when all the dishes need to be cleared and put in the dishwasher, I'm like, hey guys, time for some life skills training. And they roll their eyes, of course. But I'm really not joking. Because these opportunities for positive discipline to say, hey, come alongside, let's be working together, is how they learn some of these essential life skills. 
The main point of something like chores isn't just to get the work done. My children have asked me that before. Why do I have to do this if you're not busy? No, 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 no. <laughs> right? It's not about getting it done. It's not even about teaching them how to work. I'm on a limb here. I think it's about pulling them into something larger than themselves and saying, we need you. We need your contribution in order to make all of this work. And the reason I feel that is because that is the same way that our Heavenly Father disciplines us. He pulls us into the mission of God. And he says, we need you to do what you can do in order for the mission to go forward. And so when we have those opportunities with our children to say, we need you in order for this whole thing to work, now you're really starting to talk about life skills training because it's mission of God training. But ambassadors, there's one thing about ambassador parenting that I want you to know. There's one place that the metaphor fails us, okay? When an ambassador is working for a ruler and their time as an ambassador is done, they will be replaced with a new ambassador. But ambassador parents, we are going to work ourselves out of a job because throughout the lifetime of your child, they should be moving from you directly to God himself. It's part of what we believe. We call it the priesthood of all believers. They don't need an intermediary. You're serving them as an ambassador as it is age appropriate and as your wisdom and experience allows you to serve them. But as they grow and mature, they begin to align themselves completely with God himself. Because as they learn to no longer view God through you, but to view him perfectly and as he is, then they will begin to learn how to be ambassadors into the lives of others. And I've heard from a great number of friends that when you reach that life stage, when you can be co-ambassadors together with your children in the mission of God, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So ambassadors, I hope that you work hard at parenting, not until you die, but until you are replaced by the one true, good, and perfect father who says, come directly to me. You are my child. So I'm going to invite the band to come up, and in just a minute, Sarah's going to lead us through communion as well. Parents, you are not alone in the journey of parenting. When you walk into your child's room to have a difficult conversation, you are not walking in alone. When you're sitting, waiting up, desperate for them to come home, you don't sit there alone. When you come back home after dropping them off at college and the house seems empty, you're not walking back into the front door alone. There is another parent in the room. The Holy Spirit will meet you in those moments, will draw you in, and will come alongside you. You'd never have to parent alone. As an ambassador, you always have the greatest source of strength and wisdom and mercy leading you in this process. And as a church, we want to come alongside you as well. For anyone who checked their kids into Kids Quest today, when you pick them up, we're going to give you a small gift. It's just a little five-page pamphlet. And it just, it talks about the grace that God has given parents. It talks about how when he fills you with his grace, his love, and his mercy, that then that is what we need to pursue his mission as parents in this world. So just take that with you, slip it in your Bible, or maybe put it on your nightstand. You might want to read it a few times and just be reminded of the grace that God can fill you with to then parent your children as his ambassador. So let's pray. 
God, as we worship you here today, we're so thankful for your truth. We're thankful for your wisdom. And even now, as we come to family dinner and receive the elements of communion, we look to you as our one true perfect father. When we talk about parenting, sometimes we are filled with regret or guilt. But instead, God, would you free us and allow us to move forward in the empowerment of your spirit. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name.